One of the verses that I love very much is uh, Isaiah 44, verse 8. There's another change right there. (laughs) Isaiah 44, verse 8. When God is speaking about himself to Israel, the context is that they are idol worshipers. And he is saying, I am God. There isn't anybody like me. I am God. Maybe this is our theme tonight. And I want you to read Isaiah 44, verse 8. Fear you not, neither be afraid. If not, I told you from that time and have declared it. You are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? This is a verse that I like very much. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. I don't know another God. I am God. Is there another beside me? I don't know any. There is no one like me. I am God. This is maybe at the heart of our meditation tonight. I watched the movie Jesus Revolution yesterday afternoon. And uh, it's a story about Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel, the Jesus movement. It's a story about 1967 through 72, those years, when many hippies in California and actually through the country turned to Christ. Because they had done drugs and free love and many other LSD and and uh, uh, Asian philosophies and, and so on. And then what happened but a spiritual awakening and many of them came to Christ. And Chuck Smith was a pastor of a small church, about 30 people. It, it looks like it was like that. And he, uh, um, one hippie from up in San Francisco, Lonnie Frisbee, came down with and brought, uh, actually, as it turned out, thousands of people came to Christ. They found Christ. They did. They found uh, joy. They found liberty. They found forgiveness. They found purpose. They found definition. They found God. And it spread through our country. And uh, I cried through the movie a few times because the story parallels what I experienced in Maine with Dr. Stevens, where uh, a group of young people that were also like in this state of mind and thought and lifestyle, in varying degrees, is a wide spectrum, I think, but uh, we found a ministry, a ministry that wasn't locked in as Chuck Smith's church. Actually, some people didn't like it, and they left. But he ministered to them and led them, and the story is beautiful. 
Historians say that maybe this was the greatest, well, they say it was the greatest spiritual awakening affecting the most number of people in the history of our nation. And many of us now, 50 years later, we can say, yeah. <laughs> Why me? Why me? Yeah. But we can say, um, what did we find? But this verse is beautiful, 44, 8. Fear you not, neither be afraid. Have not I told you from that time and have declared it? Yea, you are even my witnesses. Thank you, Lord, you called Abraham and Isaac and the sons of Jacob and Joseph and call them out of Egypt by the mighty hand. And you split the waters of the Red Sea and brought them out and, and brought water out of the rock. And the rock did follow them in 1 Corinthians 10. I always find that interesting. He smote the rock, water came out, and the rock followed them. That sounds like there are different rocks and they are all pointing to Christ. Christ followed them out of Egypt. Christ went before them when they left Egypt. And we have to say also what, what we read here. There is no God like God. And there isn't any other. And he is God changing uh, an addiction, calming a heart, stilling a storm, rescuing a sinner, forgiving sinners, calling us by name, putting his spirit in us, leading us, giving a good pastor like Chuck Smith and Pastor Stevens and others, giving men and women of God in our lives to help us through difficult times. Another part of the movie that I liked was the human relationships and the tension and the disappointments and hyper-spirituality and also the subjectivity and uh, potential confusion that happens amongst all people everywhere. But God is able to send the comforter. God is able to speak and counsel us and help us. So look at Isaiah 40, the verse 28. <clears throat> Hast thou not known Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary? Have you not known, have you not heard? 
the everlasting God, the almighty God. The thought of God is so big to us, we, we search the scripture to find out more about him, and we see his gentle messages and gentle manifestations in the stories and how he cares for a little child. I remember reading about, you know, the story about Naaman who had the leprosy up in Syria and the little girl that told him there is a prophet in Israel. And that little girl was undoubtedly a slave girl. And probably, as in the ancient world, I heard this somewhere, in the ancient world they they would be taken captive and probably kill her parents or uh, sell them off. And this little girl could have had bitterness in her heart and her master has leprosy, and she could say, I curse you in the name of God that you have destroyed my life. I was living in Israel, and now I'm a captive slave girl. But instead, love was in her heart, and she could say to her master, you have leprosy, it's an ugly disease, but there is a prophet in Israel. There is a messenger. If you will go to the man of God, if you will go to the man of God, he will heal you. That little story when God is in the heart of a little girl and she becomes a messenger and a tool in the hand of God to tell a man who has leprosy, who's a general with high authority, Go to Israel, you find a prophet, his name is Elijah, and he will heal you. And that is what happened. What am I saying? But the Bible is filled with these amazing, gentle stories of like God loving to use meek and simple and little people. Because our God is such a great God, he speaks through children In Psalm 8, verse 2, out of the mouths of babes, he has perfected strength. Have you not heard? Have you not known? Have you not heard? Verse 28, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, that he uses our weaknesses that he understands our frame, that we are made of dust, that he pities us. Have you not heard that he sent his son to reach the hippies in the United States? Another part in the movie I recognized with all those hippies that were in the, in the story that did not come to Christ. And I wept thinking about it. And about me. Why me? Why did that happen? Why did Jesus give you a humble heart, a hunger? Why did Jesus give you a hunger for God? Why did God draw you to his son? Why was there some church somewhere? I, I was in 
upstate New York, and I remember I was praying and fasting in the spring of 1972. And, uh, and I wasn't a, so much of a churchgoer, but I was reading my Bible, and I just said, Lord, I, I need a church. I don't want to be in a cult. I don't want to be in a traditional church. I want to be in a living church. I want to be where God, you are. I want, I want you. I need you. I need you in my life. I want you, God. That was awesome. And I, and my story is, and I've said it many times, but my mother told me to go to Maine. And, uh, that was a weird thing. Because mom loved me. But, uh, it's a long story, but the point is, God answered my prayer. And I, I stumbled into this church, this one. Praise the Lord. And I um, would just say, I, I recognize that the pain in people's lives today. You see it. They don't know who God is. They don't know how great he is. They don't know what will happen in their life if they wait upon him. That's a, a good part of this text here. Let's look at verse that God is not fainting and is not weary. Those that carry the idols get weary. The idols cannot move around. They cannot get on a train. They cannot fly up in the air. They cannot talk to you. They cannot burrow in the ground. They cannot move from the land to the sea or from the sea to the land or to the air. They cannot do anything. And those that carry them are wearied by them. But our God is not weary with your, with your sin, your selfishness, your emptiness. He is not weary. Of course, in one sense, yes, there's a good point. Can you hurt God? Can you hurt God? That's a question. And is God, is God Almighty? Is He above and beyond us? We cannot take away from Him. We cannot hurt God. But here's the paradox. We can grieve Him. He is sad because of us. He is grieved by us in our sin. He's grieved, but He's not hurt. You cannot hurt God. He does not get tired. We said a week ago, we have a Sabbath, and God rested on the seventh day. But we also said, does God need to rest? Here it says he is not weary. He does not get tired. He does not get tired of you and I. He does not get tired in the miserable life that people are living, though he feels it. But he is saying, come to me, I am God. Look at the verse, please. It says, He is not fainting, he's not weary, and there's no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. And we can see that Because of all the sad statistics about teenagers 
about young people. Have you ever heard a young person say, I'm not going to, we're not going to have any children because we can't afford it? We're not going to have any children. We don't have the energy to raise a family. Uh, we're not going to have a family because, and, and so on, and, uh, and that kind of thing. How, how about the people that all of us, we have these little complaints and these little things that we are tired of and weary of in life. Yeah, life can be wearisome. Like Samson, when he lost his eyes, he was in the mill. And I think of a donkey pushing a millstone around in a circle to grind flour. And Samson was hooked up to that. And he was going round and round. And I think of people that go to work in our society that are going around and around. And they are very weary, very tired, very exhausted by the endless uh, activity and programs of life. And the thing that God is saying, I know you are weary. I know you are faint. But I am God. And I am not tired. I am not weary. And then the last thing there is verse 30, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord. Have you ever got real quiet in a dark room on your knees and just stayed there waiting on God? Filtering out everything. And just bend there or sit in a chair and just wait. The word wait, it sounds like time. It's time-sensitive word, isn't it? Like wait here for the bus or wait on, you know, wait two days or this kind of word. That's That's the way it sounds to me. And I've always thought of it that way. I'm not in charge. He is. I can wait on him. Like a butler waiting on his family, on the, on the family. Like, like a man waiting on, in regards to a problem. He has a problem, but he, he, he's going to wait. What is he waiting on? The doctor? Or he's waiting on a solution? Or waiting on the administration? Or waiting on a, a leader? Or what is he waiting on? Usually it's all of those horizontal things that we are waiting on. But this is different. This is hard for us. But I think love can wait. Why do you wait? Because he loves me. I love him. I think I can wait here on God. We don't have time to wait. We have no option. We have to wait on God. We have to do this or we have to do that. No, I don't think so. I, I don't know about that. What if we just wait on God and say to God, nothing has to change. Just you show up. You be with us. Paul and Silas are in prison and they are singing, remember? And they're just there before God, and they're just saying, man, this evangelical message has gotten us in trouble. 
And we, are, we have been um, uh, chastened, we have been whipped, we are imprisoned, uh, we are misunderstood. Uh, but this is, uh, this is what we do. This is God is with us. And we're just here in the prison cell and in their hearts. It seems to me they were turning to God and waiting upon him. And the doors opened up. They didn't move out. They stayed because they had a mission. The jailer was considering suicide. The other prisoners in the cells, Paul and Silas, are, and the doors opened up to everybody, by the way. Not just Paul and Silas, but all the doors were opened up in the prison. When you and I are relating to God by faith with a living God, the Almighty God, and we're waiting upon God, we do not know how many doors will open up for others. Others will go free. Others will get delivered. Others will change. Baltimore City can be affected. Our family could be affected. We may never see it. We don't know what will happen. But it says here, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Do you feel young again? Or is the Spirit, is the Spirit anointed you in a fresh way? Is the Spirit moving in, in our hearts? I feel that way in our fellowship that we come on a Wednesday night. I, I love it because we have a great day Sunday, and then by Wednesday it's nice to get together again and get another slice of spiritual food and some instruction and see each other and love each other and lift our hearts to God and wait upon him. We are renewed in our Strength. But I want to warn all of us we're very busy people. We're very active. We do a lot of different things in our family life, in our recreation, in our church life, in our everyday life. And it's so easy to do a lot of this activity that can wear us out. But they that wait upon the Lord. How many days maybe I have to wait on God for a while in my heart? Maybe every day before I go to bed, I might take some time and wait upon God in quietness and tell him what's in my heart. Tell him what's in my heart. Bring it out before him. Ambitious, let, let him search our hearts and wait upon him. You will find maybe it's not like you do A and you get B. Sometimes you do A and you get C, you know. Sometimes you do A and C and maybe you don't know what happens and when. But sometimes uh, light comes like in the morning. Somehow, in a spiritual way, you are renewed in your strength. You are very built up in your heart. You are a worshiper of God again. You say, Lord, thank you. 
It's again, I'm a child again. I'm built up again because you are the God of our lives. You really are. And you are an awesome God. To get a freshness of that. You are an awesome God. So great that I think sometimes, remember that part in the book of Revelation that says, there was silence in heaven for 30 minutes. Remember that? Because the angels were going to open up incredible wraths upon the earth. There was silence in heaven for 30 minutes. When I, I do not know, but it seems there is a lot of praise in heaven. A lot of worship in heaven. We cannot help being in the presence of God and saying things in your heart and spirit that he's the father of spirits and just being overwhelmed, enraptured with his nature and his character and loving him. Wow. So here's the end here, verse 31. They that wait... Upon the Lord. And no people waited three years. They wanted answers. Seven years they were waiting upon God, but they were not weary. They were not disappointed. It was fine. They were waiting. Remember the old man who was told he would not die until he saw the Messiah? And he took the baby in his arms and he rejoiced because it happened like God had told him. How long had he waited on God? He was waiting on God and it happened. Don't give up. Bring your burdens to God. God knows your heart. He knows your Condition in life, he knows and he promises he will renew your strength. And they shall mount up with wings as eagles. Eagles fly high. Eagles fly far. Eagles are incredible birds. Sometimes I'm like the bird in Psalm 84 that just flies from the garage to the telephone wire. And then to the telephone pole, and then back again. Sometimes I feel my flight pattern is really low to the ground. My flight pattern is really from one detail to another, one event to another, one situation, one crisis to another resting point, and so on. But this is different. God will take you to high ground here, high altitude and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Really? Yep. Human beings running and not be weary, walking and not fainting. Yeah. Human beings. Enoch walked with God and he disappeared. He didn't get weary. He didn't faint. Not me. Not, not, no, you don't understand me. I know that whole story. Not me, because I sat in this chair. I know what you think. I know how you think as a person. Not me. That's for Pastor Shabelli. 
But that, that doesn't work for me. That's for the saints of God. That's for, but that's not working for me. I, I'm, I'm bone tired. I'm, I'm on the edge of quitting. I'm finished. This doesn't work for me. And we're saying, I know. But if the Holy Spirit could help us kind of zoom out and see him, get your eyes on him, get occupied with him, be a worshiper of him, wait upon him, turn stuff off, turn it down, dial it back, get the psychic noise down, the level of noise down, maybe fast, maybe just be quiet, maybe stop doing something, maybe reduce your life to something. I don't know. I don't want to add stress to you. I just want to say our God is not like other gods. Our God doesn't think like us. His thoughts are different and his ways are different. Our God is an amazing God. They hardly touch it, who he is and what it means and who we are and what that means and how we are worshipers of God and how the Holy Spirit will fill you and it will come into your practical everyday life, common everyday life, driving to work and uh, having medical issues and problems and practical things of life. All of that, God knows all that. And we glorify him because in it all, people with a stomach and a nervous system in a memory. You know why dogs are so happy? They don't have a memory. <laughs> and Pastor Dan probably says, yes, they do. Yes, they do. You know why people are so miserable? They have a memory. They have so much guilt. They have say, they can pro- imagination project into the future, the worst case scenario, and have fears that wear them out and tire them out. And we're just saying, may may Lord help us. Would you pray with me now as we we just finish this? Lord Jesus, you've helped us see by your word who you are. And there is not a person who is listening to my voice who does not have the most incredible future, the most incredible blessing in your life. There's not a person in this room or listening to my voice that, that could hear that verse that unto us is given all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. There's nothing more you could give us other than your son. And if you did not spare him, but gave him for us all, how will you not with him freely give us all things? Renew our minds that we would take in the most awesome understanding of who you are as our God and be silent in our hearts with our bitternesses, excuses, problems of complicated fleshly thinking, 
but cast it all down and say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We are filled with your spirit and have a renewed mind and are strengthened in you, Jesus. Yes. And I just want to invite anyone at all here this um, evening to say in your heart to God, Lord, I want that. Make it new for me. Refresh in me. Stir me. Help me. Lead me. Guide me. Forgive me. Strengthen me. Build me up. Open my ears and my heart. That I will sometimes at night go out and look at the starry heavens and just worship you as God. I just love you with all my heart. And you will carry us. You'll take care of us. You'll forgive us. You'll empower us. You'll take care of us for 50 years, for a thousand, for 5,000, and forever. Thank you, God. May we cast our cares on you, our children, and other things in life that bother people. Cast all our care on you, for you care for us. In Christ's name, amen.